to try to offer uh, teams or not teams, anybody actually, to relive the the races we put on. So you can, you and a couple of your friends can sign up uh, and tell us we want to do the ARC 2018 and we can accommodate you with everything. Welcome to the Dark Zone, an event racing podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatens. In event racing lingo, a dark zone is a time when due to darkness or safety, teams are paused on the course before continuing with the race. During that time, stories are exchanged, friendships are kindled, spirits are restored, and teams have a chance to prepare for the next challenge. We hope that you make good use of this dark zone. We're glad that you're here. Welcome to episode 38 of the Dark Zone. Today we are joined by Igor from uh, AR Croatia. Um, this is a good episode. Uh, Igor goes deep on his uh, adventure racing style, how he builds courses. Um, AR Croatia has already happened by the time you listen to this, and it was a fantastic success. Head over to all of their social media on Instagram and on Facebook to see uh, the photos and the media that came out of that. Truly a beautifully breathtaking country. Um, Igor goes deep on the race and also talks about the relive experience, the fact that he could bring um, racers or teams of racers back onto the course at their own speed and their own time and and relive parts of the race. Um, Really a top-notch guest, and we loved having Igor on. Um, Thank you, listeners, for joining us at the Dark Zone. As we like to say, if you keep racing, we'll keep talking, and we're delighted you're here. So sit back and enjoy Igor from AR Croatia. Welcome to the Dark Zone Adventure Racing Podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatens. Uh, today, we are joined across the internet and across the airwaves and across the world by Igor. Uh, Igor Doritic is the uh, director of ARC, Adventure Race Croatia, which is a race that is right around the corner. It's held in mid-May uh, 2020, uh, just a little bit less than 600 kilometers, a bit over four plus days. Igor, welcome to the Dark Zone. Thanks for coming on. Um, it's a morning in America and it's afternoon in Croatia. The race is two weeks away. How was all the planning going so far? Well, the planning actually started two and a half years ago, but we all know what happened. And we had uh, almost two years to prepare, but you know that the always the last two or three weeks are really hectic because some things you cannot prepare like uh, one year ahead so you have to really push uh, for the last couple of weeks and we are right in the middle of that so we're really busy and trying to you know check uh, every check boxes and try to uh, anticipate everything that can happen so we are really busy and really trying to get this as perfect as possible we all know that adventure racing is a really uh, something that you cannot plan uh, step by step, but you can actually try to anticipate what will happen. So we are we are trying to do our best. So you're joining the the long list of races that had to take the last two years off for COVID safety reasons, things like that. Now you're finally back. How many teams do you have coming in for the race? So uh, at one point there were sixty teams uh, signed up, and then uh, in the last couple of months some teams decided uh, not to come because of uh, pandemic and the safety issues coming back from from Croatia to their country and they have to do uh, be in a lockdown so they decided it's it's too big of a hassle uh, and a couple of teams couldn't find uh, 
four four members or with some injuries involved. And actually, a couple of teams decided that uh, there is war in, in uh, Europe, so they are uh, not they don't have to feel safe coming. So in the end, we have forty six teams. Still strong, forty six teams. It's a strong yeah. field. Yeah, Croatia, uh, the former Yugoslavia. It's in the it's the central. Europe, it's a, it's an interesting crossroads. Um, if you look at Croatia on a map, you know that Croatia, it, it, it borders the Adriatic Sea. It has mountains. It's it's between Slovenia and Bosnia-Herzegovina. When you put the race on, do you have like a an ocean edition where you're down by the Adriatic? Do you have a mountain edition? What is the what is the general gist of the race? Do you find yourself up high? Are you down low? Is there a lot of variety in what you do from edition to edition? So uh, Croatia is not a big country. Uh, we don't have a lot of choices. Uh, I always said bec- before I started that we maybe have five editions, six tops, because uh, although it's a, it's a beautiful country and uh, uh, we have the Adriatic Sea, we had a lot of islands and we have mountains, not really big, high mountains, uh, le- uh, a little below 2,000 meters. Uh, so 600 feet, I guess. 6,000 feet, uh, but uh, I tried to, to to get everything in one race. So I tried to get the, the mountains and the coast and the islands and the sea and the rivers. So the last two editions were really a combination of all of that. So I'm guessing that uh, Croatia is a perfect for adventure racing, but only on a small scale. How many stages usually is the race? Uh, unlike every other, almost every other race in ARWS, we have a lot of stages. That's a logistical nightmare, but that's the way we like to do things. And before I started doing this, I said I want to create races that I want to race. So I'm really not into sufferfests and really long sections uh, where people really miss the beautiful parts because they're suffering. I want to give them uh, short, interesting sections with a lot of uh, fast pace and tempo. And that's why we have 17 legs. Wow. 17 legs over. Wow. That's four days. Okay. Okay. So, so you, you talked about wanting to put on a race that you would want to race. What was your own racing career like? Well, not as, not as big as I wanted to, uh, uh, I'm from Croatia and there's really basically no scene in, in Croatia. I did race around Europe. I did, uh, like maybe 10 years ago, uh, it started, it started growing in Croatia. So we had a lot of small races, uh, uh short races, like maybe 50 to 100 kilometers. And I did all of them. So I was, uh, I would say that, uh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to sound really pretentious, but I'm the only constant, probably the only constant in Croatian adventure racing. You know, I was all, I was on all the races. I organized races throughout uh, maybe the last 15 years. So I changed a lot of teammates and tried to, you know, talk talk people into going on the big races. But uh, maybe I managed to go maybe on, on 10 or 15 races around Europe. So Poland, uh, Czechia. Uh, Germany, uh, France, uh, Slovenia, so countries like that. So I did maybe all around maybe 10 to 15 expedition races. Which the, uh, of those races that you did, which one really would you stick out in your memory as an incredible race? Uh, 
Uh, hmm. I I went to Corsica. Uh, it was a really great landscape, but really poorly organized race. So I remember that in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> what was that uh, bike boxes not there? The, the TA is not filled up uh, with the maps off? No, the the idea was good, but the logistics was was really really not good. And and uh, I think the I don't know. It just sticks out as a, as a really rotten apple in my in my opinion. Got it. Got it. So obviously that probably informs your own race directing, right? Yes. You don't want to have people go through that yourself. What do you find as a race director? What do you find to be the most challenging aspect of putting a race on? Well, the, the creating the course is the most fun and, and most easy part for me. Uh, I'm the type of guy that really likes to uh, concentrate on the course, not on the CPs. Because CPs, although they can be beautiful, the way to get there could be really horrible. So when you get to the CP, you're there for a couple of minutes, but on the on going there, you're, you're it takes hours. So for me, it's most uh, it's more important to have the beautiful uh, uh, path getting to the CP than the actual CP. That that doesn't mean that some of our CPs are not beautiful, but I'm I always going to choose a beautiful beautiful uh, way from CP to CP than a beautiful CP. Or do you find that the as a result of that and having 17 stages over the course of a, of a race that is a bit over four days, is there a lot of route choice in your races or is it pretty much that the, there's a singular way to get from point to point and the, and the racers have to figure that out? Or is there a lot of different low, high, things like that? Uh, so uh, Croatia is not really wild country like Patagonia or, 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 or something similar. So we are trying to guide them to the course. So that's the reason why we have a lot of CPs. And when I say a lot, I really mean a lot. So in this edition, I think we have 82 CPs. Okay. And special orienteering not included. And we try to guide them to the course. So if we think that there are a couple of choices and we know on a map, maybe some, some choice looks really good, but we know it's horrible, we guide them uh, with the CP to the, the most beautiful or most obvious way. Of course, there will be a lot of route choices, but uh, we are trying to guide them with with our CPs to the best options and most beautiful options. Gotcha. And so obviously having 82 CPs over 17 stages around four days, your races are probably very fast. A lot of movement to transition to transition to transition. Yeah, yeah. So the teams will have to uh, uh, assemble the their bikes four times. Uh, because some of the some of the transition areas are just going to be they're going to leave their bikes, do a loop, and go go uh, and continue. So uh, I think transitions are 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 definitely somewhere where you can you lose a lot of time. Got it. So I told the teams that to practice uh, their transitions so especially the assembling the bike boxes or the, the bikes and put them in the bike boxes but i guess some teams will not take this this seriously and in the end uh lose a lot of time because 17 transitions that that's a lot of time you can lose we just had a a, a race here in, in america called the shenandoah epic put on by uh, adventure enablers mark and margo harris and I was speaking with some teams that did the race and the teams that were mid-pack and towards the back could not believe how quickly the lead teams came through the transitions. 
like in a matter of single digit minutes, five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes in and out, as opposed to spending a lot of time there. So you make a valid point for the, for the beginning racer. And I don't know how many beginning racers you have. What do you find to be the most common challenge that newer racers have when they do your race? Where do they, where do they struggle the most? Well, adventure racing looks really interesting on paper. And when you look at the videos, so maybe some teams are, you know, uh, uh, getting themselves uh, in something that they are not really prepared of to, to beat. That's why we have uh, some options, some short courses. So if you don't, if you miss the cut of time, you'll get them on a short course. But short course is also like 450 kilometers. It's not right. It's yeah, totally big race. Yeah. So uh, definitely transitions, uh, getting prepared, uh, not taking enough water, or trying to pack light and then freeze at night. So those are the challenges I think that uh, the newer teams are are going to face with. Yeah, and that's and those are the the common classic challenges that newer teams have, right? How much stuff they have to bring, uh, what kind of gear they have to pack, what do they what do they have to have on them? Mandatory gear versus food versus drink. In, in traditionally in, in AR Croatia, do the teams pass through civilized areas? Do they go through towns and villages, or are they pretty much once they're out there, they're out there? As I told you, Croatia is not really a wild country. It's but it's a, it's a perfect blend of uh, you can be you can feel like you're in a remote place but you're actually uh, pretty close to the civilization. So in the, in the previous two editions, uh, there weren't a lot of, a lot of, joy, a lot of uh, opportunity to, to buy stuff. Actually, in the last edition, I think there was only one shop uh, they can buy something throughout all the course. Uh, but this year, it's a little bit different. We're in a, in a more touristic area. So there are going to be some, some definitely some uh, chances to, to buy stuff and uh, to go to the shops and eat something. But it's going to be for uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes, just passing through a city and then continuing to uh, more, more remote places. And that depends on the time they pass through too, right? Because if they pass yeah. to, through the middle of the night, if it's 4 o'clock in the morning and nothing's open yet, well, they're out of luck. So teams yeah, shouldn't, sure. shouldn't rely upon that as part of that inside the race. Do you yeah. draw your, 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 your racers? Are they mostly Croatian that they come from all over Europe? Is there anybody coming from America? Uh, actually, we only have two Croatian teams because, as I told you, the Croatian scene is really small. So, and actually, those 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 uh, two teams are uh, teams that did not race outside of Croatia. Maybe maybe some of them, but it's that's not really a, a Croatia doesn't have a really big adventure racing scene. Gotcha. Uh, we have uh, one American team, uh, and we I think we have teams for from 20 countries i think wow that's and great at, at one point we had uh, a team from every uh, continent so we had a team from japan and team from australia and both of them decided not to come in the last month uh, for different reasons but we're really satisfied we have a really good variety of, of countries uh, a lot of teams from Europe, from one team from Canada, one team from Ecuador, one team from the States, one team from South Africa, and a lot of teams from Europe. Yeah. 
So it's funny, you talk about how Croatia is not a very big adventure racing country, but clearly AR Croatia is a very popular race. What do you credit that to? Is it your organization? Is it the scenery? What do you, or is it the time of the year? Like, like what makes it so that people, notwithstanding, you know, Australia and Japan having their own COVID challenges and getting back and forth, yeah. what makes, what is it about the reputation about your race that makes it so popular with so many people? Because a lot of race directors want to hear your answer because they want to have your popularity. Well, uh, I would hope that it's uh, our racing style. So our racing organization style. The fact that we don't have long stages, the fact that we try to make it interesting and not being a sufferfest because adventure racing is hard enough on, on its own. We don't have to harden it, uh, make it more harder but with really long and suffering stages. So that's my my opinion. Croatia is not known as a as a as a, a, a huge country. You know, it's not Patagonia. Yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah. But yet, you here you have forty six teams coming from all over the world, and the te- the teams that dropped out dropped out not because of Croatia but because of the world around Croatia. And so yeah. I think you you really have an interesting story to tell other race directors that people will, will come out of their way to come and do your race. And it's not just Croatia, a beautiful country, but as you said, it's not really a massive country. So clearly your race organization has to have something to do with it. Yeah, I would say that probably it's a combination of, of, of uh, a lot of things. So I'm hoping that uh, we're doing the right thing with uh, a lot of stages. So I'm guessing people like that. And... As you've pointed out, you have a lot of stages, 17, you know, 17 different stages, 82 CPs. To your point, Croatia, which is a beautiful country, is not a massive country. And yet these these teams from all over the world are willing to fly into Croatia to do your race. I know for a fact that other race directors would love to hear what you think the reason behind that is. What do you think it is? When we started, we have uh, we had 20 teams. Uh, the next year we had 40 teams, and then we decided to go to 60, and we did. We, we hit 60, but in the end, we, we ended up with 46 teams. So I'm hoping that our previous races were were, were a good uh, uh, way for people to to tell uh, races that did our race uh, uh, word of mouth. Uh, said to other races, our race was a little bit different. Of course, Croatia is a beautiful country, and that, that that definitely has something to do with that. It's mostly unknown to a lot of people, so people like to uh, change uh, uh, places where they race. So that definitely helped. Uh, we have a beautiful coast with a lot of uh, islands, uh, and I think that you know, uh, all in all, it's a it's a really a lot of a lot of small pieces put together. I don't have a secret. I don't have anything I can really, really, really share with anybody. But I think that the most important thing is definitely that uh, we have a lot of stages, a lot of uh, fast moving, a lot of uh, different uh, challenging legs. So I don't know. It's hard to say. 
Well, it, and also you could probably point to what you what you don't do is success, right? What you clearly the race organization is strong. You have good communication with your racers on the way in. The, the fact that you're willing to go to such lengths to have so many different options for racers speaks to that. Um, I think you're spot on, by the way, about Croatia being a beautiful country and people wanting to discover a newer land. I know it's going very popular, um, even for tourists worldwide. And so you've met this incredible interest in Croatia with this great race that goes on. Um, so I think all those factors kind of come together. And I think it's a good story for other race directors to hear and to understand who are putting their, their own races because some people might say, well, I'm not going to put a race on here because it's not amazing in these, in, in these other ways, like these big mountains, things like that. Clearly, organization, communication, challenging stages, beautiful country, all adds up to make AR Croatia amazing. You did mention something I, I read about is interesting, and I'm curious to, to tell me about it, this Relive project. What is that? What is the, the, the chance for racers to come and do? Is it a race? Is it not a race? Talk a bit about that. So Relieve ARC is a project that we are trying to develop. So we were thinking that we were creating uh, courses for ARC 2018 and 19 for a year. And people are going to do it only once and never again. We can never use those those areas again. So it's a really pity because we really like those areas and want to use them again. But we don't want to put a race on that area. So we decided to to try to offer uh, teams or not teams, anybody actually, to relive the, the races we put on. So you can, you and a couple of your friends can sign up uh, and tell us, we want to do the ARC 2018 and we can accommodate you with everything. So you, if you want to sleep in hotels, we can do that. If you want to do a full course with all the stages, you can do that. If you want to skip some stages, you can do that. So there are a lot of options. We'll give you all the maps. You can you can visit all the CPs. You'll have all the all the transitions as the teams. So it's a perfect opportunity for novice racers to try out uh, what it feels like to race, but in their own tempo. And some of the teams uh, feel, I don't know, maybe ashamed. They they do not finish the race, or maybe they are too slow. So they want to try it and see how they pair up with the with the really uh, uh, professional racers. So that's a perfect opportunity to try it out. Or it could, on the other hand, it could be a really good training for a really good professional team that could do it uh, in a racing style and try possibly beating the time of the of the winner of that year. So on. So if I understand you correctly, what you're saying is is that the you you have the the old course ready. You have the maps, you have the CPs, all that waiting. Uh, a team or an individual could come in and could work with you and they could they could relive that part of the race and they could do it at their own speed. They could, if they don't want to do a, a, a water section, they could skip over that. If they want to sleep in a hotel, they can. So someone could contact you directly and could sort of build their own experience around AR Croatia without actually doing the formal race as it's laid out. Yeah, yeah, it's actually a, a private private adventure race for for it, anybody who, who wants to try it out. Gotcha. And that would be really good uh, training, obviously, right? Because they'd have access yeah. to the course and your your team would bring them along. Um, how long is is it is the event as long as they want it to be, or is it is a is a period of time you offer it? Well, uh, we 
we decided to do to do to, to charge it by the day. So if you want to, you know, do it in two weeks, we can do it in two weeks. But if you want, it's not, you know, you pay you pay for the for the for the relive, and then whatever it takes you takes you. No, you just choose. If you want to do it in seven days, we want to sleep in hotels. So we can definitely uh, we can definitely work around it. So any idea teams or individuals have, we can work around it. And that includes what are the, what, what are the disciplines that are included? It's trekking, cycling, ropes. Kayak. Like what what's there? Yeah. yeah, all the usual, all the usual. So mm-hmm. in the last, so after this edition, we will have three three courses we, we can offer. So we can offer. Uh, ARC 2018, 19, and 22, and uh, we can we also uh, offer uh, like a biking expedition that combines the the two courses from 2018 and 19. So if somebody wants to go on a, on a, like a five or six day uh, bike marathon, stage marathon. Uh, we combine the best the best courses of of those two years, and we offer that as well. Are there any ropes? Uh, well, we can skip the ropes because there there. If somebody is you know feeling unsafe or doesn't want to do it, we can definitely skip that. Gotcha, gotcha. So it sounds like a really good adventure racing vacation. Somebody wanted to spend some time, wanted to see Croatia, see it interesting. Why they can work with you and with your company to have this really private experience around the country? Yeah, you can. Uh, visit Croatia for two weeks. Uh, first week you you do the suffering, and then the second week you do the re- recovering. <laughs> and that's the good way to to operate, right? As opposed to get all the pain out of the way first. You don't yeah. want to hang out there for a week having a good time and then go suffer. You want yeah, to suffer yeah. first. Yeah. Nice, excellent, excellent. How many? Um, you, you see, you have you have forty you have forty six teams coming in. Are have any teams? Any other racers signed up for this experience yet, or are you still waiting to get the first people to give it a shot? No, we actually didn't didn't really advertise that. We are we're trying to to get to get the word out, and we don't want to, you know, <clears throat> we didn't even try it out. So uh, the the concept, but I I don't think that uh, anything can go wrong. We only we already did the race with forty teams, so having one private team, it's uh, or one individual it's uh, really something that we can we can handle so uh, we are definitely waiting for teams to to sign up and i think after after this podcast we will have our emails email, email boxes full yeah the, the, the massive listenership of the dark circle <laughs> you, you better get bigger mailbox space because yeah, everyone's yeah. going to come and show up there so clearly you love croatia you love you love your country yeah yeah i think it's a it's a you know Every every race director will say that that their country is a perfect uh, adventure racing playground, but this really is uh, because, uh, as I told you, we're a really perfect blend of of, uh, of civilization and remote places. So, on some in some areas, you can really feel that you're way out there, but actually you're just half an hour from the highway or main road or some smaller town so it's it's really perfect because you can feel safe but you can uh, really feel isolated from the civilization and and croatia is a relatively undiscovered country in many ways while it's getting popular it's not as popular as other european countries well it's not undiscovered to me <laughs> right right <laughs> I, I i really i really uh in the last i don't know 30 years i was really exploring croatia 
when I was a, a small kid, I was a Boy Scout, and I guess that that's something that stuck with me for the whole life. You know, the exploring and being outdoors. So I'm really all about that. So I think it's a it's a this this is a, like a perfect perfect job if I can call it job for me uh, to create something that I want to show others. So I'm really excited when I find some really good spot. And the first thing I do is I want to do a, a adventure race here or a bike marathon here or a trail running event. So it's all, everything I go, it's, it's always discovering and exploring. Do you find that when you, when you traveled internationally and you did races all over Europe and all over the world, did you find that the, were you able to bring those ideas back to your race in Croatia? Like, did you do a, a big stage someplace in someone's in Europe and say, you know something, I could do this back in Croatia. Like clearly you did all the racing first and then you brought it back to Croatia. Um, what did you learn in all of those races that made you a better race director? Well, you, you, when you go to other races, you, you see the good stuff and the bad stuff and the bad stuff. You say, I don't want to do this in my race. I definitely want to avoid that. And you want to impl- implement uh, implement the the good stuff. So you you uh, in the before you mentioned uh, Mike from uh, Adventure Enablers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as I'm a, a, a I'm a referee for ARWS, and I was in the World Championship in Wyoming. I was mm-hmm. a referee there, yeah. and uh, I can say that I learned a lot from 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 Mark. So Mark is a really good uh, race director, in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's very, and, very well respected. Yeah, and I, I definitely uh, picked a couple of of, of uh, ideas from him, and I want to thank him for for uh, you know not knowingly guiding me in the right directions. So what do you what do you th- as, as a referee for ARWS and someone who travels internationally? What do you find, and this is, this is a question that in which you could teach racers out there, what do you find the, the most common challenge that teams run into on the course that they could avoid? Some challenges you can't avoid, right? Bad weather is bad weather. Terrain is terrain. What do teams do on the course where they sabotage themselves? They, they hurt their chances. Well, it's usually, it's usually starting too fast. Some of the teams start too fast because they're – you know, pumped and then wanna then wanna follow the leaders, but that, that that's actually not their tempo. And I see it a lot of on my races and on the other races. Uh, I was the referee in uh, in Spain of the World Ch- Championship, and the first leg was 122 kilometers, and the tempo for the first 10 kilometers is was like it was a 50 kilometer race. So a lot of teams started really strong and didn't want to let go. So you saw in the next couple of hours, you saw a lot of teams suffering in the, right. in the like first five percent of the race. So definitely starting fast, uh, uh, having long transitions and losing a lot of time there, not taking care of your feet, not knowing how to fix your bikes if something goes wrong, uh, and being unorganized with your gearboxes. Gotcha. So gearboxes, gotcha. gearboxes definitely have to be, you know, pre-prepared, and everything has to be in their own uh, uh, containers. And you know, there's a rule that you 
everything you have to uh, touch only once. So right. I think it's I think it's really uh, impossible to do, but it's a really good good motto to have. You know, to not lose a lot of lot of time in TAs and have everything prepared uh, beforehand. But isn't that amazing? That's one thing that you see is is so many of the things that 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 defeat teams and, and getting away of teams are self caused. Like it's not it's not going to be how steep the terrain is or how long the stage is or what the weather's like. It, it's, it's a decision that the team made that got in the way of their success. And that's a, a, a drum that we beat all the time on the dark zone is that it's that level of preparation that ultimately that will help teams more than anything else where too many teams go in unprepared and they're not, they're not ready to do that. When, well, one of the reasons is because uh, if you're uh, doing expedition races, you cannot do it, uh, do, do a lot of them uh, a year. Right. So you, you can do a lot of training, you can ride your bike, you can run, you can kayak, but the transitions, it's not really something that you train. Actually, people train it mostly on races. And if you only do two or three expedition races or one expedition race a year, you don't get a lot of chance, chance to, to, to practice it. And sometimes you're, you're switching members, team members. So maybe there's a new or new one or new two uh, new team members. So it's really hard to, uh, you know, gel well together with with new teams, new, new team members. So it's uh, it's definitely something that people should train transition and preparing for the race as another discipline in the race. When when teams break down, and you you probably witness that either in transition or out on the course, what causes teams to fall apart in your experience? Uh, well, it's usually sleep deprivation or. Uh, Choosing the the wrong the wrong route or missing the checkpoint, and then the nervousness the, the the nervousness comes in, and then your you know the friction starts, and it only takes a spark to to light a fire. Right, and then all of a sudden everyone's yelling at each other, and yeah, yeah. no one's talking to each other. What's the uh, what's the best team you've ever seen race? Uh, Avaya, definitely. Avaya. And, we, yeah. and obviously Nathan Fave's team, they just blow teams out of the water. I mean, they just, they are just so strong. What makes yeah, them so when, good? When, when I, when I saw him, uh, when I saw him in, in Wyoming, uh, Nathan wasn't there. Okay. Uh, Bob was there and it's a really, really perfect blend of, of being kind and being serious and talking to everybody and really fast in transitions. They can transition very, uh, really fast, but it looks like they, they were there for hours because they were so relaxed, talking to to media, talking to everybody. And when you look at the clock, it's just been three minutes and they're gone. Wow. Yeah, I heard that. The, um... Ken? Uh, I wanted to say that uh, I followed them on some parts of the route and definitely their uh, uh, their sportsmanship is, is really noticeable. You, know, you can see that they're following all the rules. They're... They're not, uh, they're always together. They, they really, really stick to the rules in, in, uh, in the, in the race that I saw them, they won, of course, like all, almost all the races they, they entered, but, uh, they really looked so superior and so above everybody else. So it's, it's unreal. Exactly. And obviously navigation is key in races. You know, in teams, do you find the more successful teams have a single navigator? They co-navigate. What do you, what's your experience with navigation? 
Well, it's well, it's definitely always always better to have uh, more navigators so, so they can switch. So usually the the better the better. If they have two navigators, I would definitely suggest that uh, the the one that is better uh, does all the navigating on the on the hiking sections, and the other one does it on the bike sections because bike sections are are usually uh, uh, easier to to navigate. Right. And also for the uh, on on our race, we want to have a, a lockdown for two and a half hours before the before the start, and we go to give the maps to the teams. And I always tell them tell them to concentrate on the on the bike legs, because uh, hiking legs you can do while walking, you know, planning the route. Right. But bike legs you don't want to stop every couple of meters and and check the course and check the map and where you are on the map. So if you use a use a pen or a highlighter and highlight the route that you're planning to do. It's gonna it's gonna be a lot easier for you on the bike sections. Coming back to your to the to the relive project that you're offering, which is the independent adventure race experience, do you offer navigation training as part of that experience? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a, actually we we are planning to do it. If you wanna if you wanna uh, some uh, somebody to to guide you to the whole race and show you the ropes, you know, I can. Or somebody else can can go the whole course with you, and on the course uh, try to learn you uh, to try to teach you how to navigate and go through transitions. So definitely, it's it's a something that that we offer to. So that sounds like a great a great opportunity. So a team could basically get an expedition level experience, but not necessarily have to commit to the expedition level race that they can come and they can work with your company with you or whoever you want whoever they they want to choose to work with inside your organization and really get that sense for what a race is like as much or as little as they want right they could yeah. sleep in a hotel they could they could do more biking and less trekking whatever they you, you would build that around that for them yeah yeah that's the idea is that offered year round uh i would i would say that because of the uh weather conditions the best the best season is be, be, between late April and late September. Gotcha. What are the What are the Croatian winters like? Huh. Comparing to, I don't know, maybe uh, Alaska, they're warm, but I would say around zero for two or three months, below zero for a couple of months. But I would say that it's pretty durable. Gotcha. So, uh, especially uh, along the coast, there w- there won't be any snow. There will be some wind, but it's it's you can basically on the coastline you can ride your bike the whole the whole year. Gotcha. Year Warm weather coming off the uh, yeah. off the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to, to to sharing news of your your opportunity with with the public. I think people will enjoy it. I think they want to see Croatia. Um, and I think having your experience as a referee, your experience as a racer yourself brings a lot to that. So it's a really nice way for a, a team or a person that wants to grow in the sport to do it in a way that doesn't require them to, to be inside the full race experience. So good on you for doing that. And I think that might be a model for other, other race organizations in other countries. So well done. Um, coming back to your, your work as a, as a referee and your work inside of ARWS, 
you talked about the 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 avayas of the world and how they do so well and you mentioned how teams kind of consume each other and eat themselves alive when they when they don't when they don't get things right what else do teams do well that help them succeed we we ticked off a lot of those boxes about teamwork and about food and gear is there any other secrets that you want to pass along to the listener that newer teams should really focus on going into the race well as i, as I told before definitely the, the training together uh because you can be really prepared all the four individuals can be prepared but working as a team is a is a you know uh, a different different sport so uh somebody can be really fast faster than than three other members and that's going to be annoying because you're going to always push everybody else to go right. faster and the other three are going to be annoyed because he's faster than them so they they feel inferior uh, not definitely not uh, training transitions in our race transitions are, are as I told you discipline on on its own so maybe if you have like three or four or five transitions in the race it's not so important but if you have if you have a lot of transitions it's it's a really time consuming uh, if you don't do it right what we always talk about is in a in a 24-hour race if you waste five minutes in in each in over each hour you've left two hours of race time on the course. Yeah, yeah. That you really have to focus on that. What else do you want us to know about AR Croatia? What haven't I asked you about? Uh, huh. uh, well, as I told you that we, we have a lot of sections and we are not really into long sections. So uh, our longest kayak stage is 38 kilometers. Our longest uh, bike is around 85, and our longest longest uh, hike stage is 38 kilometers. Gotcha. So there's no massive multi-day. You're spending no, 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 36 no. hours. There was there was a stage in Africa. God bless Heidi and that crew. There were stage where teams were on the the bike for 32 hours and things like that. That's not the AR Croatia experience. Uh, well, some races really don't have a lot of option. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so it's you, a massive landscape. Yeah. If you're really in a remote place, uh, you can only do so much. So right. I'm, I'm, I'm always, you know, uh, complaining about other races uh, having a small number of, of legs or transitions. But some, sometimes you're really, you cannot do, you cannot do uh, the, any other way. Yeah, we had that when we were in um, Ecuador. We had a trek that was 26 hours long. That was yep. just, it was what it was. Like there was, it was such a massive landscape and so far to get between place to place. You couldn't do anything else in between that. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, sometimes it's really something you cannot do. And sometimes it's, it's, sometimes it's maybe, I don't know, laziness. It's easy for a race director to have, okay, let's send them to a hundred kilometer trek and then we'll just do nothing for two days. Just wait for them. Logistically, it's smart, mm-hmm. but when you're, uh, looking from the racer standpoint it's really unnecessary sometimes so, and, so, you, so you're really of the ethic that you think that racers want to they want to do a stage have it be relatively 40 kilometers whatever it might be then they want to transition to a different thing you feel that racers really enjoy the, the turnover if you will of all those different experiences uh well i certainly hope so because we have 17 stages so. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i i always talk to a lot of a lot of uh, racers, and I always ask that question. Do you really like long stages or do you like shorter stages? And I would say that, uh, to my surprise, it's it's about 
Some Got people it. really, really like uh, long pages, and the good thing about that is because you have you have uh, races that have really long stages, mm-hmm. so you can choose that race. Or on the other hand, you have AR Croatia that have that has uh, shorter stages. So if you're re- more into that, good for you. So I, I'm just hoping that uh, more races would uh, be more like uh, ARC. Right, and I think I think to your point though, with the with the growth in adventure racing, and, and credit to ARWS for the work they're doing, racers could really pick the kind of race they want to do. So you're very open and honest about the type of race that you offer. Other race directors do the same thing, and so a racer could say, "Well, I want to try this type of race, not that type of race." And next thing you know, they they find themselves lining up at AR Croatia. What race do you really do you really enjoy doing? Which what kind of race do you want to go back to? Well, uh, I would definitely uh, want to race in uh, Ecuador. Mm-hmm. So I'm planning to, to go there probably next year. The biggest problem for me is uh, finding, finding teammates. Uh, me, and my, me and my partner, we are a pair and we have uh, the core. So we have one guy and one girl and that's really more than 50% of the team because finding a really eager and ready girl is uh, or a woman is uh, is hard hard in itself so we have the the core but really it's really far, uh, far uh, hard for us to find somebody who could be committed to traveling and training and, and racing so uh, I'm always thinking about maybe joining some team from outside of Croatia because I'm ready I'm, I'm training and Actually, I, I would do a lot of the races from the ARWS, mm-hmm. but the, the only problem is uh, uh, I don't have a team. And I'm really busy with doing the races in Croatia, so so I don't know, maybe it, it's just not in my cards anymore. Gotcha, gotcha. Is, it, is the, aside from AR Croatia, which is your, your big event, do you put other races on in Croatia, smaller races? Yeah, yeah, we do, uh, we do two-day trail a running event on two islands, one day on one island and one day on the other one. We also do uh, like a smaller adventure race, but no orienteering involved. So uh, people know the course uh, and they re- something similar to sea to sea, I guess. In, mm-hmm. And they know the course, they, they don't, don't have to do the navigation. That's something like that we want, we want to introduce adventure racing to people who are afraid of navigation. So uh, it's a 100 kilometer race and they visit the beautiful parts of Croatia, but they don't have to navigate. So they can prepare themselves. They can use GPS, they can use mobile phone, anything. So gotcha. just get just get through the course. And this year we're also doing uh, the, for the first time a uh, similar event for but for three people. Uh, two people are racing and one is a support crew, but support crew can, can also get into the race on. Oh, they, on can, they can rotate through. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I've heard that's a pretty cool. I like that model where it could be usually I've heard three or four people where any combination of them can do it, provided one of them, one of them remains a support person along the way. It's a really nice way to, to, to give more people a chance to do the race without necessarily having committing to doing the entire race. That's an interesting model that we're seeing. Yeah. But, uh, in, in, we also trying to get more women 
into mm -hmm. into venture racing. So the, uh, those two events, uh, uh, they have to be mixed teams. Gotcha. So uh, and in the race that we are uh, having three people racing, uh, women uh, woman has to has to participate in at least one discipline uh, throughout the race. So there gotcha. are seven seven stages, and she has to be in at least three. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, do you think that navigation is the biggest barrier to entry? What keeps people from trying, or is it the, the, the stress of the travel? Is it as far they have to go? Is it the training? What do you think in your experience keeps people out of adventure racing? Well, it's a combination of all those things that you said, but navigation is definitely something that people are afraid of. Uh, maybe 15 years ago uh, in Croatia, uh, we started doing races uh, that involved uh, hiking and orienteering. So something like ro roganing. Mm -hmm. We In Croatia, we called it trekking. And it's, it was fairly popular uh, like 15 years ago. But then trail running came in and it's really accessible to, to everybody. You, you, don't have to, you, ha you don't have to navigate. The whole course is uh, marked for you. And that's really big in Croatia right now. So uh, trail racing is really big. So navigation is really put on the side and nobody's uh, actually learning how to navigate. So um, less and less people know how to use the map because of the Google Maps and, and all the stuff like that. So definitely it's a sport that it's, uh, it's not growing. It's, it's uh, definitely something that will be forgotten soon. Yeah, and, the, and clearly the, 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 the core there is of adventure racing is navigation. When I talk to people about adventure racing and I tell them that there's no GPS, that it's all map and compass, it blows their mind that you have to do it on your own and you don't use any electronics. So your point's well taken that if you don't have a, a core group of the population that has a map in their hands, it's tough to make the transition to adventure racing, which is why I think you see a lot of racers come out of North Central Europe because yeah. orienteering is built into a lot of the cultures that you see there. Yeah. Uh, now that we're talking, I just remembered one one of the the really uh, important aspect that you you asked me what, why why is ARC uh, uh, fairly popular uh, in the in the period uh, in in one month. So in April and May, we will have three really big international world world known races in Croatia. So uh, in April, there was uh, 100 miles of Istria. It's uh, one of the biggest uh, trail running event in, in Europe. And then two weeks later, there was uh, four islands. That's a stage uh, biking stage race that it's part of the uh, Epic series. So the Epic series that organizes uh, Cape Epic in South Africa. And we have uh, Venture Race Croatia. So it's really big uh, events happening in a small country as small as Croatia. So it's a really something that we can be proud of and uh, prove that we're doing something right. Maybe because we are such a small country, we are giving extra effort to, to do the things right. And to uh, so our events can stand out stand out uh uh against the really big hitters sure well, it sounds like it's a really small country too very often those smaller countries because they they feel they have a lot to prove but also they're so undiscovered and so beautiful they have a really really loyal following of, of people that will return time and time again i think you're saying that about ar croatia 20 teams 
to 40 teams to 60 teams and ignore the, the COVID impact and the, and the, and the other conflicts you're seeing there, you were, you were going to, you were going to almost triple the size of your field in only three editions. That's, that's a real compliment to, to what you're doing over there. And I know you're trying to be humble. I think that's part of your nature, but that's a really impressive growth rate that a lot of other racers and races, I should say, would want to have the fact that you tripled your, your attendance in only three sessions. Um, that's, that's a big point of pride for you, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. We are proud because first year, uh, we hit our limit, so we had 20, 20 spots available. We did that. So next year we said, okay, we'll have uh, maximum 40 teams. We did that. So next year we had 60 teams, and we did that. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm thinking now, in retrospect, that uh, having a lot of teams, it's, it's not a good uh, uh, way to go, and it's not a path that we want to choose. So if we'll do... Uh, I'm always saying if we'll do another edition, because uh, you know uh, after COVID and all the stuff, so we're not certain of anything. Uh, we think that we're definitely going to lower the the number of teams. Uh, I was just I was I was actually thinking maybe go to 25 teams, because I think that's uh, with. So much transitions and so much uh, switching uh, uh, the stuff and uh, transferring all the equipment. Having uh, more than 40 teams, it's it's really, really a, a difficult process. And a lot of things can go wrong and we don't want it to go wrong. So having having less teams, you can really focus more on, on, on doing it right. And I think that's a that's a point. Uh, Grant Killian, who did Un- Untamed New England, who we hope brings his race back soon, when he did the uh, 2018 intro to the race, he talked about how there were 65 teams on the course and how there was no way that more teams could be on the course and not take away from the experience of those people on the team. So to your point, you've proven that you could go to 60 teams if you wanted to. But in reality, you think that 25 teams is probably the magic number for the course that you want to offer. Yeah, yeah. I think that, well, 25 team, uh, 25 is a, just a number, you know, it could be 26, 27. Right. But I, I would say not more than 30 teams to have the really, really quality event. That doesn't mean that this year is not going to be uh, a quality event. It's going to be definitely at the level that we are we are uh, comfortable with. So, and with we are not gonna teams are not gonna feel anything different than the, on the first year that we had only twenty teams. Right. But it's a lot more work for us. Right. So it's right. something that that uh, we don't feel comfortable with because you know a lot of teams, a lot of stuff. Uh, you can lose something, you can uh, misplace some gear, so it's and you can destroy some some team's race uh, because you you did something wrong, and we don't yeah. want to do that. Eventually, it's less about the what's less about what the course could manage and more about what the race director could manage. Yeah, yeah, got it. Um, we're coming up on our our hour here, Igor, and I want to make certain I've asked you all the questions. 
Um, you've done a really nice job talking about AR Croatia, talk about the, the, the Relive project, which I think is a, is a great idea. It's a nice model for future. And I will put a link in the show notes to anybody who wants to talk to you about coming to Croatia and doing their own experience. So I appreciate you talking a bit about that. Any, any closing thoughts that you want to share with us when it comes to adventure racing, the future of the sport, the direction that the sport is taking? What do you think about the sport overall as coming out of COVID, you're a referee, you've seen a lot of races. What are your thoughts as we go forward as a sport? Hmm. Uh, I think that uh, we have to, adventure racing, racing has to position themselves uh, more clearly. So we are trying to attract new racers, but on the other hand, a lot of the, the expedition races are just too hard for them. So I think we have to decide either we're going to be a really, really hard sport or we're going to be something that anybody can, can enter. So you can see that uh, some of the new new racers that come into the venture racing in the, I don't know, maybe after Eco Challenge, they're uh, demanding, you know, some stuff to be changed to accommodate them. I uh, not, uh, and they're because it's too hard for them because they've seen it on TV and it looks really fun and interesting and not so, not so hard. But when you try it, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive sport. It's a lot of gear, a lot of training, a lot of traveling, a lot of expenses. So it's, it's not really for everybody. So I think we have to position ourselves. Uh, if we want to attract new, new, new racers, we have to be frank with them that, uh, this is not something that you can, you can, uh, you can do just like that. You know, it takes right. years. It, to d- be it a takes race. commitment and time. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think that means for the sport? I mean, clearly the, 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 the difficulty level of the sport at its essence, at its soul, at its core requires a level of commitment from the racer. So it sounds like what you're saying is, is that adventure racing is going to have to have a bit of a, of a question about its direction and its focus to make it more accessible to larger crowds. It's going to have to fundamentally change the kind of sport that it is. Yeah. Uh, the idea is great and, and we are doing a great job, but that maybe, maybe I was thinking that maybe expedition races are getting too hard and too long. And uh, actually, I don't know, maybe, Maybe it doesn't need to be like six or seven days. Why, why cannot we, we do it only all in three days or, or four days and, and that's it. And that, that's, a, that's a long stretch. So three mm-hmm. or four days, it's a long, long time to race. But seven or eight days or 10 days, I, don't, I think maybe those times are, are behind us. You know, there, there's no need to, 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 to kick the dead horse, as they mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. I guess it has to do with though, but what you're seeing though on that note though, if you look at North America, you have three five-day races coming out of North America that are very popular. Endless Mountains by Rootstock, Expedition Oregon by Bend, and Expedition Canada. And those three races are either at or approaching capacity. And so clearly Mm -hmm. in North America, there's a growth point there. Uh, Faroe Islands um, just is is on the way back. That's that's August of 2023. They opened up registration this morning. Curious to see what kind of feedback they get. So you make a good point, like, you may have the sport may travel in two different tracks. There may be the five to seven day expedition level racing over here, but other race directors may put on the three to four day races on the other hand. And that might be the way the sport's going to go. 
because um, you're right, there's to, to go into a, a five day expedition race requires a significant level of commitment that will just clobber the newer racer. But that's why that's why races exist where they could be 100 kilometers long and they could be 80 kilometers or one days or two days. So I don't know. There's, I think there's a I'd be willing to bet that for the most part for any racer, if they try hard enough, they could find the race out there that they want to do with a lot of different oh, for options. Sure. For sure. Especially, yeah. I think, in the States, uh, after Eco Challenge, the, the growth has been phenomenal. Uh, in the other countries, I, I, I'm guessing not, not so much because, you know, not a lot of people outside of States seen Eco Challenge. Uh, besides maybe some of some of the some of us who are really interested in the in the sport, right. so we, we try to see it, but uh, nobody stumbled upon it. Yeah, and you're right, and I think that the there was also some luck got in the bad way. Eco, Amazon put on this incredible race in Fiji, and then they premiered it, and it came out during COVID, right? Yeah. So all that energy came out, and it had no place to go, and we're kind of feeling the effects of that now a little bit. No, you're right. You're mm-hmm. right. Um, well, well, Igor, it's been a, it's been a great, uh, time chatting with you. I'm assuming that there's live tracking for AR Croatia. Yeah, we are. We have a live tracking uh, done by Trek, uh, Trek the race. And, uh, hopefully we don't have any, any problems with that because, uh, I think that areas we are going are going to be, uh, uh, the cell phone service is going to be uh, good enough there. So. I hope that uh, a lot of trackers are going to lag and a lot of teams will be stuck in one place and people wondering what the hell is happening. Exactly. The tracker hasn't moved in 18 hours. Yeah. So I hope that we will correct all of those and that we can switch up the the trackers that are not working or I think it's uh, so far we did, we had a good experience with them. So I think it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to be pretty great. Excellent. I'll make it a point to uh, put the link to the tracking page in the show notes and good luck. And Igor, once again, thanks for coming on the dark. So we really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Man. I'm glad to, to, talk, to be talking to you. Thank you, Igor, for joining us on the dark zone. Listeners, really glad that you tuned in for this one. If you check the show notes, I'll have a link to Igor's races and his social media. Um, clearly he loves the sport and it was delightful to have him on the show. We're glad that you're here with us. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask you please head over to your social media podcasting platform of choice and give us a, a review. Best way to spread the word about the dark zone. If you have any thoughts or ideas for guests or ideas on who we could, uh, talk to and listen to and learn from, feel free to reach out to me, Brian at ardarkzone.com or find me on Facebook, find me on social media and let's talk. Um, we love the sport. We are in full adventure racing season now up here in the, the Northern Hemisphere. So get out there, keep training and keep racing and be safe. Thanks for being a listener.